Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell. I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs. I've been in business since 1994. The purpose of the Method to the Madness is to get to the real deal of what really works, what's complete nonsense, and why things work or why things may not work because there absolutely is a method to the madness. Today, I'm going to talk about grit. Physical grit, mental grit, emotional grit, but grit. Speaking of grit, I want to thank our very first sponsors, Jonathan and Lynn Gilden of the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. I'm telling you what, they have got grit. They know how to get out there and grind and do for you what you don't know how to do. I mean, we don't know how to sell houses very well. Maybe we can sell by owner, but do we really know how to get the best deal and best way to advertise? That's what they do because why? They have grit. They are O's out there grinding. I see them on social media all the time. So please give them a shout at 386-451-2412. Let's talk a little bit about grit. So I'm saying that because Ellen and I did the grit gravel ride up in Mohonk in New York, the Mohonk Mountains and Schwangunk Mountains. And actually it's called the Mohonk Range, but Schwangunk Mountains. And uh, it's a beautiful area. I grew, I didn't grow up. I actually grew up down here. I grew up in Volusia County, but I was born up there and moved here when I was 10, and I always go back. I go back two or three times a year because I love it. Such a beautiful area. I can't really state that enough of, you know, the mountains, the scenery, and um, the way that they take care of the environment. And, uh, you know, it's just such a great place to be if you love the outdoors. I saw that they had their gravel grip ride this year, and the money goes towards that area. They're preserved to help it stay preserved. We have done the relay race up there. It's a 50 miler and uh, done some of their other events. And I saw they had a gravel ride, so I wanted to do it because I like doing that stuff. I love being on the bike. And I signed us up. And uh, man, it was a tough ride. And I give Ellen a lot of credit because she hasn't spent nearly the amount of time in the saddle on a bike that I have and hasn't been overly training specifically. I mean, she stays in shape and she does ride, but she hasn't been doing a lot of longer, harder rides. And this puppy was that. So we did the 23.3 mile option. Thank God. Cause they did have an over 50 miler, but, uh, it, it was enough. And, um, it had over 2,600, feet of climbing in it, which means 2,500 descent. And some of the inclines were up to 11%. I mean, it was tough. It took grit. I mean, they called it the right thing. And it is on gravel roads, a little bit of single track, not much. If you don't know what single track is, that means only one bike can fit through at a time. Just a little bit where a lot of people actually had to jump off and navigate over the stumps and things. But for the most part, it was on carriage roads, on gravel roads. And if you know anything about any mountains as far as going up, so it's zigzaggy turns. That's the only way up. They don't want to build a ride that goes straight up or build a road, I should say. 
So it's like zigzaggy and then it levels off for a little bit and then it's zigzaggy back off, back up, and then it levels off a little bit. But, you know, I should have thought when I signed up because I've done runs out there before. It's like if you're going to the top, which is right by the Mohonk Mountain house, which is the peak of the mountain, I mean, you have to go up and it's not like it goes up and really goes down. I mean, it might level off, but how's it going to go down when you're going up? You can look at the base in the valley and see that you're climbing a mountain. So how on earth did I really think it was going to be, you know, up and down and up and down. And then the second half up and down and up and down. But thank God Ellen didn't know that going in. Um, she bit off, you know, I, I shouldn't say more than she can chew because it's not true. She chewed it up very well. But, um, you know, maybe not knowing sometimes is a good thing. But ultimately it was climbing up the whole way on, on gravel roads, some, you know, very loose rock. And it was tough. I mean, it, you know, it was a it was a climb. My heart rate was definitely peaking out at many, many points, got up into the old red zone. I don't know what my average heart rate was because I kept losing connectivity up there, um, which you might expect. I mean, there's not a lot of uh, towers or whatever. So I did lose some connectivity, but definitely from what I saw, I was averaging, I believe, in the 140s. For me, that's pretty high, and I'm sure I peaked near max. So it was rough, and over 500 people did it, which is great. They raised a lot of money, and uh, but you know the point is talking about doing the hard things, like doing something that is really hard, just hard to accomplish. So you get to the top. There's a little bit of a, a break up there. You can stop and refuel, fill up your water bottles, which I did. And then honestly, for me, because I'm talking about what's hard and what's hard for everybody, for me going down was, I wouldn't say harder because it was kind of a welcome relief for my quads and my heart rate. So definitely physically, it was it was easier going down, but mentally harder in some ways, many ways, because the descents are steep and long with turns at the bottom and you're on gravel. So uh, we rented mountain bikes the best way for us to do it, to travel the most economically and efficiently because we had to be back to Florida. You know, we have a job to do, so we had to get back by Sunday, which we didn't because of a nice cancellation and problems with the flights, but we didn't know that. So we rented bikes instead of driving and taking our own, which made it even more challenging. Thankfully, the day before we took them out and got a 13-mile ride in just to get everything right. And I kept having issues with my seat. It kept coming down a little bit. Um, if you ride a lot, you know that happens. So I would have to get off and change it. That was a little bit of a pain in the neck. But other than that, the bikes were fine. They were good mountain bikes. I really appreciate uh New Paltz bicycling who rents bikes. The guy was really cool. I, he was closed for the season, but I messaged him prior and asked if there was something he can do. He got a hold of me and said, you know what? I own a coffee shop. Um, you, I can bring the bikes there. You can rent them for 24 hours and, uh, you know, just bring them back to me on the Saturday, which was really cool. Like he really, you know, showed a lot of trust. And so I really, you know, appreciate that. Things fell into place well. 
And, uh, but you know, heading down, I mean, even on a bike, I would be a hundred percent comfortable on, I don't think it mattered, but it's fast. And you could tell like when people ride up there all the time, I mean, they just had, you know, they threw caution to the wind. I mean, they're just, some people were on gravel bikes and some people were on mountain bikes. It was like 50, 50. For those that don't know, gravel bikes are made like more like road bikes where you have your normal road bike handlebars, but they have slightly smaller tires than a mountain bike. And uh, they're made to go a little quicker, although up there, I don't see how. I mean, I think it's either way, it's going to come down to your skill really more than anything than the bike. But, um, you know, that wasn't, you know, that's nerve wracking. I mean, there's a lot of time you spend on your brakes and, you know, right next to you is nothing but cliff. I mean, it's, you go off the side of the road. I mean, if you, you know, can't grip the ground at the bottom, I mean, not everywhere, but in some instances, you're going to go off the cliff because that's all there was. I mean, it, it's, that's it. There's no guardrails. I mean, it's trees or you're going off, you know, either way, it didn't sound like a very good alternative. So my alternative was to just simply be a little cautious and uh, go down at a speed I felt comfortable with. But again, more credit to Ellen, who not only I don't think has done a ride. Well, she's probably ridden a little longer than that, but definitely never been in the mountains like that definitely never been on dirt trails before. So, you know, what is that? I mean, that takes grit. That takes guts. That's like, I mean, a lot of people could bail. I mean, you know, she could have bailed. She could have gotten to, you know, the halfway point and said, you know, I'm done, but she didn't do that. She told me she felt like it, of course, and who didn't, you know, but she didn't. I mean, that takes grit because she realizes that, doing it and fighting through any fear or discomfort was only going to benefit her. So I want to read the definition of grit. Grit is courage and resolve and strength of character. So, you know, they named it appropriately and I'm not doing this podcast as a means of just like talking about this ride the whole time because the, that, that particular ride is once per year. So how can that be enough to keep us going, to keep us moving forward? I mean, it can't. It's like, I think we have to do things that challenge our resolve, that test our character, you know, on a daily or weekly basis. In other words, do the hard things, the things that we do not want to do. You know, and, and a lot of it, as I was going through, and again, there was 500 riders divided between the two different distances. It's not a competitive event, meaning that they don't keep score. It's a you get through it type of event. Although, you know, some people race it like there's just people like that everywhere, you know, that want to race it. It was kind of funny at the end. I was watching some people come through and, uh, you know, there's one guy on a gravel bike and he's all by himself. And, uh, there's like a hundred meters left or so. And he just starts like sprinting. Like you see in a road race on a road cycling race toward a France leg where guys are going, you know, 30, literally 35, 38 miles an hour, sometimes 40 in a sprint. He wasn't nearly doing that, but, but he looked like he was like, he's going all out. And I'm like, you're there, man. I mean, it's like, what are you doing? But it's like, I don't know. How do I, I'm not going to judge somebody else's thing, but it's kind of like, 
there's an audience and so let me just sprint in the final 100 meters it's I mean when I was coming in I'm like thank god you know I can't wait to kind of get off this bike and have something to eat and stretch out a little bit was what I was thinking it's like you know this this is this event is it took a long time I mean I'm a very experienced and pretty fit cyclist and I literally averaged 9.3 miles an hour it took two hours and 40 minutes to do this and if it gives you any indication I've averaged over 20 miles an hour on very long rides before on the road so if it gives you any idea that's how hard this was so it's like what is a sprint going to do? I mean, it's going to give me three more seconds in my time. I mean, that I don't know. to me, you just end up kind of looking stupid when you do stuff like that. But maybe he had a whole other agenda and goal. I don't know. But there were people racing, which I also kind of chuckled at. Because, you know, true grit and measure and character, it's really not about competition. And I think that's why I like this so much. I mean, I've been competitive before and when i say that i mean like that's been my mindset but you know after a certain age that's not really healthy you know i mean yeah we should always want to be better remember last week i talked about metrics matter and they do but the only true competition should be with ourself right i mean that's the only thing that matters you're racing dudes you don't even know down a steep 11% decline with a rocky corner at the bottom. And I saw dudes doing this and I'm like, you know, they're blown by me as I'm on my mountain bike. And I'm like, okay. I mean, it's like, but they don't know me. I mean, thankfully I'm an experienced rider. So I stayed to the right. But what if I wasn't like, what if I just saw a rock and overreacted and freaked and turned to the left on this middle of this descent I could have cut right into them. They don't know that. Like, they don't know. I was just thinking, why are you passing somebody you don't know on a descent? And what's funny is only to be repassed on the uphills because, you know, there there's like not a, cur- not a lot of courage or whatever needed, just fitness. And I've always been a strong climber. So it's like then you pass them on the uphills and you're like, we're not racing or I'm not, you know. It, I don't know. It's just... Competition, it is very immature. I just got to come out and say it after a certain age. Like, it's just emotionally immature unless you are competing with yourself. If you're trying to get better, but if you're not, if you really think that beating this person now makes you better, ah, I don't know. I think you've kind of missed a few points along the way. You know, I think back to when I was a psychology major and I took a psych course called Testing and Measurement. So it was all about the different kinds of tests, the psychological tests you can give people. So we had to learn about them, obviously, in case we stayed in that side of psychology and the clinical side. We had to know at least what these tests were about. And I remember first time learning about IQ tests. I mean, of course, I knew what they were. But like we learned how they really work. So the instructor gave us all in the class. It was a small class. I remember it well because the lesson really hit home with me. Like it was a powerful lesson. So he gave us all the IQ tests. And at first I go into it going, oh man, you know, am I smart enough? I was making great grades, but it's like, oh, I'm going to be, 
compared, you know, all the things an immature college student would think. So it's normal. So we took the IQ test and it was funny. Almost everybody in the, that particular class came out average. And so we're like looking at the teacher like, well, wait a minute, you know, 4.0 students were in an advanced class. And he, and he smiled and he said, see, that was my point. That's what I want you to learn about IQ tests. They are based on who is taking it with you. That's how these things are scored. They're scored with the collection of people. So, so it's basically a, a sliding scale. You know, it's on a curve. That's how IQ tests are graded. They're on a curve. So if you're average in a class of 30 college students in an elective that is a pretty hard class, good for you, that means you're pretty damn smart because it's graded on a curve. So he then went on to say, so let's say you take the same test, the exact same, I don't remember how many it was, 40 questions, but you take, and I'm not being judgmental because I do not feel this way. That's the whole point of this. But you take it among people who have never stepped foot in a classroom, people that, you know, haven't had certain classes because there is biases in IQ tests too. For example, let me give you a question. Hopefully you're staying with me here. I know I'm off the direction a little bit, but I'm really not. But there is a spigot coming out of a tree. And the question is, what kind of tree is this? And some people said maple. Most people said maple. And the correct answer was, it was a pine tree for the tar. Who would have known that? Only people that live where, where there's more pine trees versus maple trees. That was his whole point, that there's a lot of language biases in these tests. So it really doesn't ever show who's smarter than the next guy. But let's say you take this test among people who don't have the level of education that you have. Maybe, I don't want to say smarter because you're not. You don't know that, but you might be more educated. Well, you're going to get like a super genius score, an Elon Musk genius score. And you, you walk away and go, man, I'm the smartest man in the world. I'm Elon Musk, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, no, you just took it with people who like just learned how to read and write a few months ago. So, and again, I, you know, as I say, I don't think education necessarily means smarter. I don't think that at all. I think it can help. But I think IQ or true intelligence can be measured in many, many ways. And I think the testing that is used is prehistoric and very invaluable. It's, it's not valuable at all. I was going to say invaluable. No, it's the opposite. It is not valuable at all because we just don't know. Well, it's the same thing with these physical things. You can think, oh, man, I am the fastest runner in this event. I'm the fastest cyclist in this event. It's like... Cool, you know, great. But did you know everybody that did it like had never been on a bike before? So does that make you any better? No, it, it doesn't. What makes you better? Measuring yourself to yourself. You know, maybe you have a thing that you do, like maybe it's that ride and you go back every year. You're like, you know what? I mean, of course, there's those conditions. There's all these other variables, of course. But you go back and you say, I want to ride it a little faster than I did last year. For me, it wouldn't even be that because I have a lot of confidence in my cycling. It would be, I want to be a little more daring on the downhills. Like I want to challenge that because that is hard for me. Uphills, not so much. I mean, do they suck? Yes. 
but I can get up them. Downhills, I'm on my brakes a lot. So I'm like, eh, you know, why? Why don't I trust my cornering? Why don't I? Because it's hard. So for me, it would be I'd set a goal like go back and be on my brakes less. I know that's hard to measure, but at least I would be thinking that way. So I really think that's what grit is. It's doing hard things that are hard for you and you feel good because when you finish, you're like, man, that was tough. I'm proud of myself, you know? And that's the first thing I said to Ellen at the end. I said, are you proud of yourself? She said, yes. I said, good. You should be. Like saying, are you proud of yourself because you just, you know, got fifth in your age group at a 5K? And somebody's like, yeah. It's like, okay, I'm not saying don't be, but it's like finishing something that's hard for you that you didn't think you could finish, that you wanted to quit. That is grit, my friends. And that you should be proud of when you do those things. So I challenge you to try to find something like that. Find something that's hard for you, whether it be you're going to run the Thanksgiving Day 5K because you've never done a 5K or the 10 miler. And maybe you do that every year. I know people that do the turkey trot 10 miler and 5K every year. One of them. Tell yourself, I want to better my time. I don't care how I do in my age group. I want to better my time. You know, that's the way to think because it's about getting better. It's about moving forward. It's about moving the ball. It's about getting first downs. It's about getting on base. Notice I use all these sports analogies, right? It's about little measurable steps that we can do that's hard, but we try to get better at the hard things so we can have grit. Thank you, Overhead Door of Daytona Beach, the best garage door company in the state. And our local office has Jeff and Zach Hawk, who are phenomenal people who I personally vouch for. They have the best garage doors and the best customer service. Please check them out at OverheadDoorDaytona.com. Have grit and be well, my friends.